live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to Dad Day. Oh, my gosh. Dad Day. It's December 1st, Kelly. Can you believe it? No, because it's December 2nd. Okay, it's December 2nd, (laughs) Kelly. Can you believe it? No, I seriously cannot. uh, Time just flies. It does. You know, did you ever hear that thing that they say, like, as you get older, it's like toilet paper? Um, <laughs> no. It's like the closer you get to the roll, the faster it gets. <laughs> I you know, it. I feel like I'm getting closer to the roll. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I know ever since high school, it seems everything's just gone so fast. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I had my, um, we just celebrated my oldest son's 16th birthday yesterday. Oh, man. Yeah. What a milestone. What a milestone. And wow. I mean, we, we, uh, we took him to a place that was far away. Like he wanted to play airsoft. Okay. Um, so, cause he's really into the airsoft. So he wanted to play airsoft. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can hear it, I just want to thank my husband live on the air right now for putting the Westminster chimes in my studio, not realizing that at 11 o'clock on every Tuesday, it's going to bong 11 times while I'm trying to do my radio show. <laughs> well, that'll be a nice holiday addition. Things, things you realize when it's too late. So anyway, <laughs> so... My son decided that he wanted to have an airsoft party um, at, a, at an arena, an indoor arena, which is like an hour away from where we live. Mm-hmm. So, and he wanted, it's his 16th birthday. Boys, by the way, Parent Nation, listen to me. Your boy doesn't want a sweet 16 party. <laughs> if you wanted a sweet 16 party, should have had a girl. Boys tend to not want them. You know, some do, some are a little extravagant, but from what I've seen, boys tend to not want the sweet 16. They don't even want you to call it that. Mom, (laughs) it's not a sweet 16. I'm a guy. And to prove it's not sweet, I want to go shoot stuff. (laughs) Right? So we, uh, we rented a bus. Ooh. And we took the boys to, I call them boys because I have to because I feel old if I don't. We took the boys to this airsoft arena. And as I'm sitting in the bus looking at these guys, I'm like, holy crap, they're almost grown men. Right. They're practically grown men. Where has the time gone? Like, you know, we used to have like Chuck E. Cheese parties and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they would fight over the ball pit, you know? Now they've got facial hair, and (laughs) it's it's so weird. It was so weird. And I felt really old and sad. Aww. Yeah. And then we went to a restaurant, and there was a pool table, and they were playing pool, and we took pictures. And I was like, 
Jeez. Where does the time go? They're growing up. Growing up. And you know, little Wayne, little Wayne just celebrated his daughter's sweet 16. I'm sure it was much like my son's. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Only <laughs> difference was his was like hundreds of thousands of dollars with five costume changes and and Nicki oh Minaj performed there and and she got a, a yeah, she got a, a a BMW and a Ferrari. Wow. Because, you know, why would you have to choose at that age? Right. It's just you too know, much. It's just too much. Stress. It's too much. And they say that we should give kids choices. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like the yellow one or the blue one, darling? Are you going to drive the BMW today, honey, or the Ferrari GTO? What What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because her dad probably, said that she's a capable driver. Because, probably, yeah. Right. It probably depends on the outfit she's wearing and which car she's going to wa- drive. True that. True that. She had a Cinderella. She came in in a Cinderella carriage with a Cinderella dress. And that's awesome. That's so weird because I I think of Lil Wayne as being 16 himself. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Lil Wayne and Lil Kim. She'd have a little baby. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, that would be funny. Oh, that would be one crazy baby though, wouldn't it? Yes. (laughs) So, oh, um, speaking of romances, Susan Boyle has her first (gasps) boyfriend. I heard about that. I heard about that. Go, Susan. 53, puppy love. A doctor from Connecticut. Yep. Is Is she living in the States now? No, she's in Scotland. Okay. But so. Right. Well, just curious. (laughs) They probably write love letters back and forth to each other. It's so cute. <laughs> they probably they probably sex or sexting. Are they? Do you think they're sexting? They have to be. I would think. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I saw the I saw the thing on the news, and my mom was over yesterday, and I'm like, she's 53. She looks so old. I don't think she does. I don't think she looks 53. I think she looks like she's in her 40s. Really? I do. Wow. I do, but that could be some of that photoshopping, you know. But, right, but you're in your 40s, right? I am, thanks for you're telling You're in your everybody. early 40s. I'm in my late 40s, and I still think I look way, way younger than her. We're babies, though. Mm-hmm. Babies, Kelly. That's true. Oh, poor Susan. You know. That is true. It's, but she has a rockin' voice. Yes, she does. Maybe she's been working out. What do we know? <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So, okay. Speaking of, okay. So, inappropriate, like like sexting and stuff like that. Did you see, okay, I, I get that um, pop stars and stuff like that are they put themselves out there for their public, for their fans and stuff like that. Like, you know, we know everything about Susan and we probably shouldn't. But recently, Ariana Grande was Mm -hmm. at uh, an event in um, Europe, in London, whatever. And it was like 35, 40 degrees or something. And she wore like barely nothing, barely anything at all. She had like this little white. First of all, she was wearing white. 
Last time I checked, it was after Labor Day, sister. <laughs> right? I, so, and here's the other thing. She had on this super, super mini skirt that you could see, like, the bottom of her butt cheeks. Okay. And she had on this lace tank top, right? And high heels. And they called her brave. Ugh. Because that's brave. Ariana Grande was brave because she wore barely anything in those temperatures, you know, for that for that event so that her her fans could see her. This is the kind of thing that completely ticks me off when people defend things that girls do. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, girls don't wear tank tops because they want to show off their body. They wear them because they're hot. Right. Did you see the Real Housewives of Atlanta interview? No. I don't even um. know her name because I can't stand those shows. They make me want to vomit. But my husband showed me the picture of the one of the housewives on a TV interview. She had on – it wasn't even – it couldn't even be considered a shirt. It was more like a C-clamp <laughs> that, that sort of covered her boobs in the front a little bit, but okay. only from the side. So, like, you mm. couldn't see side boob. But like her, the whole her whole chest looked like a baby's butt, and really? it was completely out in winter. Okay, this is the kind of thing that drives me insane. What? How can you say? How can people say that girls should be allowed to wear whatever they want, and men should not have to, have to look at them? Because it's about them wanting to be comfortable. It's not about them wanting to be gawked at. Right? Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? And then that the the uh what's her face, Elizabeth Loughton, the GOP staffer, who had the audacity to say that Sasha and Malia looked like they that they were dressed classless, that they had no class, and that they looked like they were waiting for a spot at the bar. Really? Right. Have you seen Ariana Grande? Right. That's waiting for a spot at the bar, honey. <laughs> Ponytail or no ponytail? Right. Oh, for crying out loud. It's ridiculous. So so I have to know. Like, so many people are saying that woman should not have had to resign. Elizabeth Loudon should not have had to resign. She was perfectly in the right in her freedom of speech to say what she said. What do you think about that, Kelly? Oh, my gosh. Um, I didn't. I thought they were dressed fine. I thought they were dressed a little casual for TV. Right. Give her that. Okay. Right? That's true. That's but, true. And with their arms folded, they seemed a little standoffish. Yeah, but he was telling some stupid jokes. <laughs> I mean, let's true. face it. I rolled my eyes. Like, I gave myself seizures. I rolled my eyes so hard when I was a kid. <laughs> some of the stupid shit my dad said. And, right. you know, that he thought was funny. Or he'd tell that same story like 4,000 times. And they, he asked them if they wanted to pet the turkey. <laughs> no, I want to eat the turkey. Can we go? TikTok, Dad, getting hungry, you know. Right, right. Right? right. So the whole, yeah, the whole thing is I, I just don't. I mean, it's always been, you know, don't take jabs at the kids in the White House. It's not their fault they're there. They didn't choose to be there. And then she goes ahead. Do you think we hold these girls to a higher standard? Do you think we hold the Obama girls to a higher standard than any other presidential, than any other child of the in the White House? Um, I just think people are trying to stir things up. 
more now than they did before. Because really the only other children in the White House that I remember are like the Bush twins. Um, Who were naughty. Yeah, way naughtier than than these girls are. But I just think there's so much controversy about President Obama and so it's they're just trick it's trickling down. They're just trying to find anything they can to stir things up. Hmm. Interesting. Well I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. I, Chelsea Clinton was a brat. Right, right. She really was. I mean it, it she she had standing bitch face. as a kid you know Uh, so i and i don't understand why uh, it's your you're right it's it's because people want to stir things up and because they can stir things up with social media i think that's what the entire thing is i think that's why a lot of things have gotten completely out of hand sure because they can like i was reading you know i'm on this whole thing now where i'm I I wrote an article. I, everybody knows I wrote the article about why I won't call myself a feminist. And every single time I go to a website or a blog written by a feminist, I'm even more, I'm even more affirmed in that belief. I just read one this morning about this feminist who refuses to go see movies because there are too many men in movies. <laughs> and one of the examples that she cited was the was the new war movie. Hmm. I'm like, so how many women did you expect to see in a war movie? Right. A movie about World War II. Seriously, like how many women did you expect to see? They probably expect the side side story of the women at home and what they had to go through. Well, no, that's not what the movie's (laughs) about. I know, but... Right. And I think it's so funny because she's like, oh, well, you know, we had Thelma and Louise. Really? That's the best you can do. That's the best you can do. There are there's tons of movies out right now that are female focused. I mean, practically every Disney movie is female focused. (laughs) Right. And let's face it, as parents, that's pretty much all I'm going to see. But (laughs) but here's the other thing. Magic Mike was male focused, but it wasn't for men. (laughs) I mean, psh, I don't think I'd like seeing more of the women in that movie. <laughs> I was pretty into the male side of it. I'm, you know, I, I think we make problems where we want them to be today. And sure. I think social media is a huge thing. Like one of the big things we were talking about dress, you know, what people are wearing and stuff like that. One of the huge things that's going on right now is dress codes in school. And female activists are speaking out and saying, you know, it's all about girls. Dress codes are all about girls. And you never hear boys getting nailed for dress codes. If you believe that, then you have no boys in school in your life. Because my boys can't wear muscle shirts and tank tops. My boys can't wear hoodies. My boys can't wear anything that looks like an outer coat during school like a sweatshirt or a jacket or anything. They can't wear any of that during school. Hmm. Can't have their pants sagging. They can't have their pants sagging. They can't have holes any bigger than the size of a quarter in their pants. Can you see the teachers walking around with quarters? I totally can. You know, my kid totally got sent home. Oh, gosh. He did. I'm serious. Yeah, speaking of that, um, when my niece was in kindergarten, I mean, five years old in Arizona, the beginning of school, we start school in July, we start back, and the 
one of her teachers walk up. She had a tank top on, but it was it wasn't the spaghetti strap. I believe it was a lasagna strap. And um, <laughs> and her teacher actually walked up to her and put her fingers on her shoulder to measure her shirt. Hmm. In do kindergarten. You think, do you think that's more of a case of if I let it go for you, I have to let it go for everybody? Maybe, but uh, I don't know. It irritated me. If, I guess it would. And, you know, yes, I guess it would. I think... In, I think we are trying to let too many things go in the name of what's the big deal? Like we, we've become, you know, as my husband coined the phrase, the United States of acceptance, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you just let it go. You just have to let everything go. Don't, you know, don't follow any rules on anything. You know what you don't see when it comes to dress code and girls, though, that yeah. irritates the hell out of me? How many stories have you read about little boys having their heads shaved in the name of dress code recently, this school mm-hmm. year? It has, Lots. I've, right. Lots. Right. Their hair has making, to be a certain length and a certain style sometimes. Or they can't have a certain haircut or they right. can't have anything that, right? So when parents of, of girls say dress code is only about girls and, and boys not looking at things that they're not supposed to be looking at any anyway. I challenge you. I call bull on that Um, because you know what? Our boys are going through a lot in the name of dress code. They're being humiliated in the name of dress code. So I think um, I think I'm going to change my stance about the whole feminism thing because, you know, there there were a lot of great things about I'm not changing my stance. I'm not I'm going to change the way I speak about it. Because so many people accuse me of not knowing what feminism is. I've been given the definition of feminism like 500,000 times. The fact of the matter is it was a fix when we needed it. Now it's become creating problems because we want them, because we Mm. want something to fix. So, you know, if if it's truly about equality, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to start really showing people what equality of the genders would look like if we really followed it. So that's my... That's my little spiel for 2015 going into 2015. I'm bringing simple back. (laughs) So when we come back, we're going to be talking to Jason Greenblatt, which I'm excited about because he's going to talk to us about family dinner table discussions saving the world when we come back from this break. Mm village to pay the bills in this freaking studio which is why tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors homeschooling have questions get your pen and paper ready it's the sociable homeschooler vivian mcninney fridays at five four central on toginet.com after a handsome blue-eyed texan fell in love with vivian at the victoria station in london she found herself at dfw airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. 
In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. So this is the time of year that we're uh, spending a lot more time eating, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of time as family. You know, it's so funny because I host a lot of the holidays for my families. So this is the one time of the year, like for a two-month span, where my dining room table is actually cleaned off. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I hear you. And my kids go, hey, we could eat in here. Like, (laughs) that would be kind of cool. But for the most part... We usually don't eat around a dining room table. Now, do we eat together? Yes, we absolutely do. We eat together every single day, Um, which is kind of unusual today. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not not normal. But what I can tell you is eating together has um, opened up conversations that we normally would not have because it's a lot harder to argue with someone when you've got food in your mouth. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So I'm really excited to have our first guest. His uh, name is Jason Greenblatt, and he is the founder of InspireConversation.com, which is a website that he developed to help create closer relationships between parents and their children, which he is very familiar with because he is the proud parent of six children. He has 16-year-old triplets, which, woo, yeah. Mm -hmm. He needs a medal just for that. He should hook up with little Wayne. He'd only need one more car. (laughs) (laughs) He also has an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 3-year-old. So he he knows what's going on. So, Jason, hey, how are you? Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. (laughs) I am really good. (laughs) That was Kelly. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? And I, I can't okay. take all the credit. I, I do have an amazing wife who uh, helps me uh, parent these uh, terrific six children. Isn't awesome. that awesome? Wives are amazing, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. Yeah, I know. Maybe we should get one, Tara. We should get one. I know. I'd like a wife. <laughs> so, Jason, tell us about why you started InspireConversation.com. 
Sure, absolutely. So we've noticed over the last 16 years since we had our first three that there's been a significant reduction of family closeness. Uh, you mentioned you eat at, you eat dinner together every night, which is remarkable and, and terrific. And I wish most families could do that. Frankly, I wish I could do that. I often miss the dinner hour and have to substitute something out other than dinner, though I make sure to do it several times a week. And because of the reduction in the closeness, you know, parents are working harder, everybody's more distracted, every new piece of technology or upgrade to a phone makes this problem worse and worse. And we felt that the only way to sort of bring the family back together was to go back to the old-fashioned way of sitting at the dinner table together and having meaningful and important discussion topics. And the second reason for that is because of this um, reduction of family closeness, we realized that parents were having a difficult time trying to teach the kids important things like values, ethics, charity, um, even things like success, success skills. I do a lot of mentoring, and I have a bunch of teenagers who come to see me all the time, and oftentimes they can't speak articulately because they're just used to texting. They don't know what's going on in the world. They aren't able to um, understand basic social concepts. So. We created the site because we were doing this at our own dinner table. We were trying to instill these types of things in our own children, and we felt that if we were already doing it, we may as well let other, pe may as well let other people benefit from our work. I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, it's great minds think alike, I think, Jason, I, because many of the people who are putting out amazing family programs today, we get a lot of flack when we try to call ourselves experts, don't we? But the fact of the matter is basically what we're doing is we're taking what works and we're sharing it. And exactly. I'm far from an expert, but I am a parent of six kids, and three of them are already 16, so they're mm -hmm. much closer to college than you know most, and I can tell you it really works. And look, my wife is a psychiatrist, so there is some element of expert here, but... Um, I don't think you need to be an expert. I think you need to be a parent who is involved and dedicated and just wants to try to make it work, uh, no matter what the stress level in the house. And trust me, my wife and I have both have very demanding <laughs> jobs, but you got to make it work. You do. And, you, and you, are an, you are an expert in your home. Correct. So, so that's, I think that alone, I think we should all be able to call ourselves that. If we're doing it and it's, and we, and our kids are, are still surviving, then, uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> but I love that you focus on the traditional values that have been so lost. Um, that's something that's, that's really important to me. And I think it's something that if we could get back some of that, it would really change the way we view the things that are going on in the world. I really do. I think, so that's, I think that's amazing. Absolutely true. There's so much. Um, the kids are bombarded these days with messages that are so negative from television and movies. And look, I watch them also, and my kids watch um, movies and TV. But the goal is to try to take those messages and say that's not what we're raising you to be, or that is what we're raising you to be. There's plenty of good messages in TV and, and uh, movies as well. But if you're not part of that discussion, they're seeing things, they're absorbing things, and you have no idea where their head is at in terms of what they're viewing and uh, where their values are because of what they're seeing. Exactly. And the casual nature of just talking around a dinner table makes people open up in a way 
that we really need to start doing. To your point, you know, with technology, everybody's face is in a screen nowadays. Um, it's so important, and I don't think we realize that when we have those those confrontational conversations with our kids where we're saying, look at me and answer me, that's when our children shut down. But when we can look down at, you know, a piece of meat that we're cutting on our plate and just talk and we just are quiet and hear each other, that's when we really get through to our kids. I think that's such a key point. Um, One of the goals of these articles that we create is not for us to be preachers to them, because I do think they would shut down if I simply preached. What we do instead is we write up the article, our kids read the article, and then we kind of either wait for them to respond to the article, which most of the time I would say they have a reaction without me prompting, and if for some reason the article didn't prompt an immediate reaction, I'll go around the table and ask them what they thought, and I'll get very good responses. And only if I don't think we've covered enough will I ask my wife, um, you know, what her thoughts are, maybe to bring it together, or I may give my thoughts. But I think if we try to force it upon them, it would have a negative reaction. Instead, we let them lead the conversation, we let them read, let them absorb it, and I think it works the opposite of shutting down. I really think they relate to it this way. So what are these articles about that you talk about? So they completely range. I mean, I I checked last night. I actually have about 50 articles in the pipeline that I have ideas for that I haven't had had time to, uh, to write. But the primary, they they range from things like values and ethics. I don't think enough of that is taught in the home or in the school. They range uh, for things like success. Um, The other day we published an article about a barbecue guy in uh, Texas. He was an architect, didn't love his profession, and became probably the country's first and only barbecue writer for a magazine. And the article was slipped into a lot of more serious articles. We wanted to change it up a little bit, and it was meant to sort of uh, talk about what is it that you're looking for in a career? You know, what are you trying to do? And the best part of the article, in my mind, was the writer, this barbecue editor's um, focus on how he had to give up certain things, and it is wearing somewhat on his family and his family life, but on the other hand, it's much better for his family life. So there's a lot of work balance, work-life balance in the article. So it touched upon a lot of different things. There are times when we'll write about uh, people who perform charitable or kindness uh, type of acts. You know, kids who get together to raise funds for a certain cause, kids who get together to work for a bus that drives into Manhattan to hand out sandwiches to the homeless. Anything and anything, anything and everything that I can, that I read, that I think I want to teach my kids about, will end up on that blog in one way or another. So these are things that you've read about. So it's kind of like your your take on current events um, or the things that are going on in the news or, I mean, could parents, could parents kind of develop their own articles? Is that what you encourage on your website? Parents definitely should. I mean, each family has their own focus. We try to make it easy for parents because we know parents are stressed and Part of the reason that they're not having conversations is that they're too busy. So we try to serve it up on a silver platter in a way that we think gives them enough topics to talk about. But I think any parent could do this. Before we started the site, what I used to simply do is cut the articles out of the newspaper and have the kids read the articles, and that's how we would discuss it. Mm-hmm. What I found, though, was that in any newspaper article, you know, 30 40% of it 
isn't really necessary to understand the issue, and the articles got a little bit long, so we tried to condense it. And parents could easily do that by taking the article and sort of highlighting the various provisions they want to discuss with their kids. Uh, either way works. We just try to serve it up in a way that they can easily handle it. Uh, to give you an example, because you mentioned current events, one of the posts that's about to go up is something about what's happening with President Obama and immigration. Mm. And, you know, we list the various sides of the argument. We don't take a position on the argument. That's not the goal of the site. It's not meant to be political. Uh, but what we do do is say, here's what President Obama thinks, here's what uh, you know, members of uh, Congress think, and, hey, kids, what do you think? That type of thing. So it's a mixture of current events and values and success tips. I love that you, um, that you say you don't take a side. Because a lot of what I find is when my kids have to do current events for school, so we try to make them science-related so that they can get, you know, credit in science class and social studies class for the same current event, but that doesn't matter. But what we find is when they're looking up current issues, a lot of the articles will be biased one way or the other. And I'm finding that that's sort of guiding my children's opinions on different topics. So... I think, do you find that parents are saying that it's hard to not put their own judgment into these conversations or try to lead their children in one direction or another when it comes to these things? I think it is challenging. I can think of an instance that happened a couple of weeks ago. We have, because we have so many kids, we tend to have a lot of teenagers in the house all the time and for many of the meals. And one of the articles had uh, was based on something in the New York Times, the ethicist column, where... A kid went to a sleepaway camp. He was Mormon, and Mormons are not allowed to drink caffeine. And the article was, you know, was the camp wrong for allowing the kid on his own to drink coffee? And what was interesting to me is we had a kid at the table who said that his parents trust him implicitly, and therefore, he was 15 at the time, uh, therefore it's okay for kids to decide what they want to drink, including alcohol. And that's not something that I wanted at my dinner table, so sometimes I need to sort of jump in and lasso the conversation a little bit more. But I don't want to be the person to say, um, no, you can't agree with the president or you can't agree with that view of Congress because the kids have to grow up and form their own opinions. I can only give them the tools to form the opinions. And just because I don't agree with the opinion, if it's not uh, bad for them or it's not dangerous, uh, it may not be my opinion, but I have to allow them to formulate their own opinions. Right. And that really is tough, isn't it? It is. It is. I, I wish they would grow up like me, but they're not me. So um, <laughs> I, I want them to grow up to be good, solid citizens of the world, um, you know, good people. And they don't have to grow up like me as long as they're good people. That's a really awesome way to look at it. And I hope that Parent Nation got that message, too, because when when we encourage parents and kids to have conversations, I think one of the biggest problems that social media has created, besides the the things that you cited, the the not picking up on social cues and the not having the the vocabulary and all of those things because everything's abbreviated or slang or whatever, um, I think one of the other things is that our children have become very comfortable with being sarcastic and attacking because it's something that we can get away with behind the anonymity of a keyboard and a screen. And I, I've, I fear that the younger generation 
will start to bring more of that anger and attacking nature and sarcasm and cynicism into normal, everyday, casual conversations with people who, frankly, don't deserve it. I think that's so true. I see a lot of it, and that's why one of the main features of the site are these sort of uh, community giving back, charitable acts of kindness stories, because without those stories, there's no counterbalance to the effect that you're talking about. And I think if parents aren't, and it's more than just talking about it, it's also taking the kids um, to see that kind of activity. So, for example, Thanksgiving morning, every Thanksgiving morning for, the, I would probably say, the last six years, we work in a soup kitchen to serve meals to uh, people who, it's a combination of people. Some are homeless, some have um, um, some mental or emotional problems. And it's really important for me to see even my three-year-old carrying that plate of sweet potato pie to the person at the table and handing it to them and smiling at them and talking to them. And if we don't um, do that, then we're just going to have all of that sarcasm and bullying and everything else that social media unfortunately helps develop because people could hide behind that screen so easily. Mm, that's so awesome. And I love that this time of year affords us the, um, I hate to use the term excuse, but it's almost, that's almost what it's become is, you know, it gives us the motivation to go out and do for others because of the time of year. So if we could only get more families like yours to continue that beyond January 1st. Um, that would be a beautiful thing. So, well, Jason, we are completely out of time, but I want to thank you so much for bringing your advice and your amazing tool to the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk to John Edwards, who is uh, the conscious parenting expert, when we come back. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, 
ingenuity and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are celebrating Dad Day. Dad Day. Dad Day. Dads are so awesome. <laughs> My next guest is like, he's he's here from Australia. So it's like 3.30 in the morning. That's That's dedication right there. So, and <laughs> I don't know that I could do it unless like I, I had like a bender going and I just didn't go to sleep. <laughs> I could stay up till three forty, but you wouldn't want to hear anything I had to say at that point. But anyway, John Edwards is our next guest and he is a, he's, he's known as the conscious parenting expert in Australia. And, um, he, he teaches parents how to get rid of tantrums and fights and arguments without stress and anxiety, which this time of year is huge. I know I could use him when I go to the mall a lot right now. So, hey, John, how are you? Yeah, good, Tara. Yourself? I am great. I'm, well, mostly because it's 1140 in the morning for me. But... Mate, it's, it's early here, I must admit. And if, if it was video, it would be a whole different story. But <laughs> audio is okay. That's why I love radio, John. I love it. Awesome. So, John, John, what's going on on Wednesday? Because we're still at Tuesday. What's Mate, new for the, Wednesday? There's very little. It's um, <laughs> black and it's it's quite hot in Australia at the moment. Oh. oh I want to be there. No, <laughs> you don't. It's muggy and you can only take so many clothes off, Tara, and you're still hot. <laughs> at least, whoa, whoa, at least whoa. whoa. I know, that's, that's a bad picture, but... Um, <laughs> If it's cold, you can put more clothes on. It's okay. Right? And see, that's what – I just can't stand the cold. I can't stand it. It's, I don't even know why I live in Pennsylvania. It just doesn't even make any sense to me. But see, it's you snowing. You guys have different cold to us. You guys have massive amounts of snow, whereas Australia only has that in the mountains, really. So it's a whole different ball game. Mm, it's snowing right now. <gasps> see, I would love that. My children would love that. I'll we, send we you came- some. We came to America a couple of years ago in December, and all we wanted was to see some snow, not one flake of snow. We actually had to go to Disneyland to get fake snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's that? awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you should come here in February. That's when it snows. Oh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, but no. So, anywho. <laughs> so, let's talk. Speaking of tantrums because me throwing my little tantrum over here about this. Now I don't like it. But anyway, <laughs> so 
I have been dealing I'm I'm actually going to be on tomorrow morning I'm going to be on our local news talking about how to de-stress the holidays because it's like it's major meltdown material the holidays you know they don't get what they want they get too much they don't like Aunt Betty trying to kiss them when they're it's like the whole it's like a total recipe for disaster so what can we do what can parent nation do I think a lot of it is um Yes, your children having tantrums and they may not be, be behaving in the way that you want them to, but it's more so an issue of how you as a parent actually respond to your kids' behaviour. Um, and if, if you can keep calm um, and deal with your kids in a, a thoughtful, rational manner, then they'll respond in exactly the same way. Um, too often, I think, I suppose the point of conscious parenting, and, and quite often people consider conscious parenting to be letting your children get away with everything, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's 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 certainly not the case. I think it's putting a structure around parenting and teaching parents how to actually control their parenting and be conscious of what they're doing in the moments. Um, and so too often as parents, we 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 have an expression in Australia: we um, fly by the seat of our pants. Mm. Yeah, we have that here too. Yeah, you have that there too? Okay. And and so often that's what parents do. They they react in the moment um, and we have to stop doing that. We have to realise that we're the adults um, and what's actually and, – and try and understand what's actually happening in the situation and um, deal with what's under the surface. And that'll, that'll create a, um, a much better situation for parents. Do you think that – there are certain types of styles of parenting that have um, kind of ruined it. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I was, I've got a uh, Facebook group and we discuss quite a few different types of parenting. Um, and there's attachment parenting and conscious parenting and a whole array of different things. And look, I certainly think we went from a style where um, my father was a be seen and do as do as you're told immediately, be seen and not heard type of parenting, and we've gone as we we do always to the furthest extreme of that. And I think we all too often allow our children to get away with just too much. Mm. Um, and kids, in all honesty, they want some rules, they want some guidance, they want some boundaries in their life. As a high school teacher, the the worst scenario for kids was if they didn't know exactly what the rules were and what the consequences were if they stepped over that boundary. And I think it's really important for parents. They don't need to be aggressive, um, they don't need to be harsh with their parenting, um, but they do need to set boundaries um, and their children do need to know that this is a consequence if you don't um, follow this action. If it's a teenager, they're not going to do what you want them to do straight on the spot. It's just it's the, right. way teenag- it's the way teenagers <laughs> are. It's just not going to happen. If you tell them to put the garbage out right now, the likelihood of them doing that's probably very small. But if you give them half hour or an hour or even if the garbage needs to be out the next morning and you give them that time to do it, then they'll do it. And you save yourself a, a whole load of... Um, Anxiety. I think we know how we're going to be as spouses by how we were as teenagers. Because <laughs> I, I went through that phase. I started going through that phase, as you said, as a late teen, where, you know, if you said to me, do this right now, 
I'd be like, Psh, that's not getting done. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. And I'm the same way with my husband to this day with the same man for 26 years. If he says to me, hey, can you get this done today? I'll be like, yeah, I'll get it done today. If he goes, I need you. You have to do that right now. I'm like, Psh, no, not doing it. Nope. And, and you're so true, Tara. I've been married for 24 years and my wife is so much smarter than I am. She will plant little seeds a couple of days before she wants something done. And after a couple of days, it'll finally dawn on me, okay, let's do it. Um, but if she, tells me, if she tells me to do it there and then on the spot, no. It's like waving a red red flag or red whatever it is to a bull. Um, yes. They'll, they'll, just char- they'll just charge at you. It's, it, yep. it's silly parenting and it's, it's silly relationships. And we need to be much better at that. And we need to be much more conscious of what we're doing in the moment and understand the people that we, we, we have in our lives. Um, and, and that makes for much better parenting, much better relationships. <laughs> it's so uh, true. Well, <laughs> it does. And, you know, we've got such a, it's not parenting, but we have such a high divorce rate now. Um, number one, because people take, um, relationships to be disposable which is such a tragedy but um people aren't willing to work at things and you need to you need to work relationships and you need to work at parenting it's something that doesn't change overnight tara it just it's just not the nature of the beast but if you if you have a set of steps and and you work at it constantly then you'll be rewarded I agree. And do you think that we had a guest on last week who was talking about dealing with introverts, but I think a lot of what she was saying is pretty similar to what you're saying. And it goes for kids across the board. When we tell people what we expect from them, we're a lot more likely to get it. Correct. So you're dealing with your, your, first of all, the people who are talking to me now, I get a lot of parents that are coming to me like, oh, these kids, that nobody disciplines their kids anymore, and now I have to go to the mall, and there's these kids throwing temper tantrums. My first thought was, if you're going shopping, if you're going Christmas shopping or holiday shopping, why would you take your four-year-old with you and expect that to go well? Uh, it's so right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy, isn't it? There's, there's people everywhere. There's toys everywhere. There's food everywhere. It, it's not going to end well. And Tara, we're the adults. You, you can't put a child in that sort of situation and then be upset that they're not behaving the way, they, the way you want them to behave. It, it, if we actually prepared and said, hey, look, it's holiday season. You can stay home today and I'll do the shopping then. Then again, you're, you're being conscious of what's happening. Right. And, you know, here's another thing. If you you mentioned the high divorce rate, what that equates to is a lot of single parents who say, I can't go shopping without taking my kid with you. So what do you think about things like getting together with maybe four of your other single moms and saying, hey, let's do a babysitting swap? And, you know, you watch the four, you two watch the four kids on this night and we're going to go shopping and then we'll do the same thing for you guys and you guys can go shopping. Like, why, why have we found it easier to get in people's faces who call us out? Why is that easier than finding solutions to the problem, do you think? Yeah, interesting one, isn't it? 
um, it's the nature of society, I think, Tara. I think we like to bring, sadly, we like to bring people down as opposed to lift them up and provide solutions. Um, in Australia, we have a tall poppy syndrome, um, which means that if an Australian starts to do well, we'll try and chop them off at the feet and bring them down a little, a little bit. Um, I, I don't know why, Tara. Um, the suggestion that you make is awesome, and, and, and what a great website to have up on the internet that puts people together, even if they don't know each other, that, that looks at suburbs and, and puts single mothers, as you were saying, together so that they can, they can pull their resources. Um, awesome idea. Um, yeah, yeah, we do. We do. We do Secret Santa workshops for the kids that they can go. The the kids can go shopping in private, and we give them their little envelope of money and their list of people that they have to buy for. Why don't we have things like that for parents? Yeah, because I think it's easy to criticize parents. Um, oh yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's much easier to criticize them. Yeah, it is. If you've got a child that's having a tantrum in a in a supermarket or shopping for Thanksgiving, it, it's much easier to um, view that parent and think bad parents. Um, they're not doing a great job. It's much easier to criticise someone else. It, I don't know why it makes people feel better, but it seems to do so. Um, and, you know, we're not – it's an interesting thing, isn't it, Tara, that, you know, you, you find out you're pregnant, um, you have your ultrasound, everything's going great. You see a, a um, gynecologist all the way through to make sure everything's going well. If something goes wrong, you have your obstetrician there and you have your birth. A couple of days later, there you go, there's your kid. <laughs> out the door, out the door you go and work it all out yourself. Uh, A big box of samples and good luck with that. Mate, that's true. Three different brands of nappies and off you go. Uh, it's true. We spend more time giving people samples, as you say, of nappies and baby formulas or criticising mums for not breastfeeding than we do actually taking the time to give some instruction to parents. Right. Um, because, you know, if you had not a great role model as a parent, um, your chances of being a parent by yourself without any further assistance are, are pretty slim. Yeah. Um, it really is, and that's what we need to be working on. I don't know why there aren't compulsory classes for parents, free compulsory classes that they take, like like getting a driver's licence. Sure. We, I know that sounds ludicrous, but <laughs> to hop on hop in a car on a highway or a road, you need to have a license. Um, I, I don't know why. Maybe not a license for parenting, but I don't know why we don't have compulsory classes. I, just I to had teach to take the basics. I had to take eight hours of training to learn how to make French fries when, before I worked at McDonald's. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, it's crazy. That so, is ludicrous, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it is. So, John, do you have a do you have a website or or somewhere where Parent Nation can find you? Yeah, it's uh, www.parentconsciously.com. Parentconsciously.com. I love that because on your website, you know, I know that you do talk about the different types of conscious parenting because there there are different types of parents and um, there are different. Uh, triggers and and all kinds of different things that we should be doing depending on who we are and how we learn and and how we express ourselves. So all of that stuff is really important. And I think that 
one of the things that you said that really it has been kind of a theme throughout our holiday shows is that we need to be consciously aware of what we're getting into, what we're stepping into, what we're bringing our children into, and realize that if we plan for these things, instead of reacting badly, we can respond well, which is really what our kids need. And our kids need boundaries. Our kids need an idea of what's going on and our kids need rules and our kids need our support. And they need to know that if they bounce up against us and they cross over that boundary, that we're going to handle it with grace and we're not going to embarrass them or make them feel bad. And I think those are some great ways to avoid a lot of those crazy temper tantrums. So John, thank you so much for getting up so crazy (laughs) early and joining us from Australia. And I am encouraging everyone everybody in Parent Nation to check out your website. And I'm also encouraging everybody to check out Jason Greenblatt, who is our also our other guest at inspireconversation.com. There's a lot of good stuff going on this year if we just open our eyes and take a look at it, Parent Nation. So until next week, everybody, keep playing. Message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling it